Hey, hungry homies, it's football season. Show me the football. Are you ready for live football on your phone? With the Yahoo Sports mobile app, you got it. Watch local and primetime NFL games on your phone or tablet all season long. Never miss your local game. Never miss a big national matchup. All you need is the Yahoo Sports app. Now, I personally would be okay with missing my local game. Uh, and apparently 30,000 Washingtonians share that opinion uh, here in the nation's capital. Boy, oh boy, not a lot of love for the Deadskins early in the season. But there's a ton of love for this Yahoo Sports app. Get the Yahoo Sports mobile app and you are golden. Hungry homies, taste buds, culinary comrades, what a show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to House of Carbs. It is, as you know, the food podcast for the hungry people by the hungry people. I am your hungry host, Joe House. House of Carbs is part of the Ringer Podcast Network. What a show today. We have my good friend and author, nationally recognized and renowned, Mark Leibovich, has a brand new book out about the NFL. It's called Big Game, The NFL in Dangerous Times. We sat down with Lebo and walked through some of his best eating and drinking experiences. He, was, he spent four years researching this book and, and doing a lot of whining and dining with the NFL Illuminati. Many... NFL owners, you're going to enjoy a couple of these stories, especially the Jerry Jones story. As you know, my hungry homies, our, our, our food news correspondent, Juliet Littman, is abroad. She's in France. She's in London. She is touring the world, and I'm enjoying her Instagrams. Her faithful sidekick from the jam session, Amanda Dobbins, fills in not just capably, capably not just ably. She is a superior food fill in on on food news we have a couple great stories with amanda but let's get in that belly my hungry homies with our man mark Leibovich. all right my taste buds what a guest we have for you today i'm not sure if you heard it's football season so today's guests we're gonna have a little bit of a football theme he is the chief national correspondent for the New York Times Magazine, the author of a New York Times number one bestseller entitled This Town About uh, This Town, Washington, D.C. He has a new book out now, Big Game, the NFL in Dangerous Times, which has been described, among other things, as a journey through the NFL sausage factory, which makes it entirely <laughs> right, right up our alley. Yeah. Mark Leibovich, welcome to House of Cards. Fant- it's so good to be here, Joe. <laughs> I love being here. I'm, I love it already. I can already tell because I'm now going through my receipts, trying to find on my re- most recent trip good places that I ate. Yeah, well, look, this is going to so be one kind of the of- things that, that we tackle. We... Mm-hmm. Uh, Tackle, started to have this, football. see how we do here at the House of Carbs, always on topic. 
We um, started to talk about places you ate, and then we said, no, 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 save it. Don't do the show before the show. Now, mm-hmm. let's um, start with a full disclosure to all the hungry homies out there. You and I are pals. We're pals. And our friendship, like all great friendships, revolves around food. Yes. Right? As it, Yes. And specifically, a shared love of shrimp cocktail. A shared love of shrimp cocktail. And, and, and seafood towers. And, and seafood towers. So... Uh, and the funny thing is, we know that we have this shared affinity for Seafood Towers. We've never had a Seafood Tower together. We have never broken Seafood Tower. But we've been, uh, we've probably been eating together at least a couple years. Yeah, we've been eating together a couple years. Uh, well, we, so we actually, we, we almost always go to um, PJ Clark's at yeah. the corner of K and 16th Street. And one of the strong suits of PJ Clark's um, is they have a very good shrimp cocktail. And we get... Uh, shrimp cocktail. Typically, I guess it's, it's is it a four or five uh, shrimp, shrimp? Whichever cocktail. it is, we always up. We always up to six so that we have the even three and three. That's right. However, if someone is late for the lunch, the other person is completely within his rights to order the shrimp cocktail and just dig in and eat. and if and eat and you can tear through the three ceiling if in fact the person is not there yet. So yeah, I yeah. I, I think I even sanctioned a four. You could you, you took a fourth one. I think time. I did. I was perfectly fine with it. I mean I yeah. it was, I was a uh, you know late and, and yeah. Well, look, this was probably faded. I mean, mm-hmm. we met. Uh, the circumstances under which we uh, became pals was at the last time the washington deadskins were in the playoffs it was which yep. is 2000 and 2000 uh it was going to be 16 right maybe 16. maybe well 15. yeah it was early 16 because it was the 2015 right. season it 15, would have been 16. early early january yeah that, i'd that, never that, been to a redskins game before but you were there uh as part of of your uh, reconnaissance for this book for, right? for the book yeah actually you know what it was um i think i was writing a magazine piece with the times magazine on roger goodell at that point and i don't know how this worked but george atala who was the uh i guess the deputy head of the nfl players association and d smith morris smith the head of the nfl players Association, had us to to the game and yeah. in his box i guess the nfl pa gets a box so there we were I met Joe. Uh, I knew you was house just from, you know, the whole, you know, just the whole brand thing. And, yeah. and we hit it off. And the next, brand thing. The, you the can bra- call me house through this, by the way. You I'll call, call you house. house. All right. Yeah, yeah. I don't, you know, I wanted, I just, I'm a stickler for protocol. You'll oh. learn this about me soon. Well, you come to the right show. There is no yeah. protocol at all. <laughs> Perfect. No. So, yeah. So we met there and the Redskins lost um, to the Packers. And I actually interviewed Daniel Snyder about a week later and he was still just so distraught like in almost 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 in the ballpark of an endearing kind of way like he was like oh, i can't believe we lost i just i can't even think about it and it wow. was like he went a, over a, a moment where he humanized he was, he was nearly likable dan snyder i would say nearly humanized nearly humanized, nearly humanized. okay yeah. all right well he was trying the the the, the book uh <laughs> big game the nfl in dangerous times there isn't a ton of humanity among your, the, the group that you uh, uh, cover? I didn't have a great deal of love, respect for the NFL owners or the commissioner or the league office. I do have a great deal of love and respect for the people who play it and the game itself. Yeah, sure. I love football. I think America loves football, but I, I love, love football. football. I say that without ambivalence, even though there's a lot of reason to be ambivalence. I think football will survive. I think it will survive despite the people who run and own it. Yeah, well, o- over the course of your four years, four plus years of, of research and reconnaissance on this mission, 
you had many great meals and many great drinking experience with experiences with those folks and in yeah. uh, cities that uh, the NFL <laughs> play, plays games. Yes. Before we get to those yes. great meals and those cities, I mm-hmm. want to uh, first talk to you about really the, the gateway to this entire project, which was your pursuit of Tom Brady, right? Yeah. So, um, Look, I grew up with that disease. I'm, I'm a New Englander, uh, Patriots fan, and look, I'm a political reporter. I've always covered, I've co- covered politics pretty solidly for the last 16 years. Um, Brady, you know, partly out of pure fanboy reasons, but partly out of pure um, anthropological, not anthropological, that's too big a word, but reasons that I just didn't, I think he was a, one of those superstars that I didn't know the first thing about. I mean, I know like the cartoon, the super monologue, it's all so easy for him or, you know, sixth round draft pick. I mean, the sort of, there's competing narratives about him, but I just thought that like, this is a really shallowly drawn character and Don Yee, his agent, is someone I talked to, you know, every once, once a year or something. I said, Hey, you think uh, Tom would want to like sit down and like do a magazine story for the times? And Don was, you know, he, he likes politics. So we kind of, we, we kind of had common ground there. And he said, um, you know, look, keep in touch. And, and then one day, like in 2014, he said, Hey, you want to come up to New York and uh, have lunch with Tom? And yeah, I said, sure. Yeah. I'll move a few things around. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And so, uh, I met him. I actually turns out we did, we were going to go to the Dutch. This is what I mean. I'm going to stop you You're because, stop mm-hmm. you know, the proposal was come up and have lunch with Tom, Correct. have lunch. This is the way, you know, a, a great way for there to be a common, you know, meeting. A place. breaking of bread. There we go. A sharing of a meal. So yes. here's how it went down. I got there and my initial thought was, this, but I, and, and it was the onus was placed upon me to pick the place. Don said, hey, pick a place for lunch. So my editor at that time was a guy named John Kelly, not the White House chief of staff, um, but at the Times Magazine. John Early on in his career was the assistant to Graydon Carter at the at Vanity Fair, and that positioned John as knowing exactly where every kind of cool restaurant was because he had to make reservations for Graydon pretty much five days a week at like yeah. a, a restaurant that yes. was suitable. So I said, "Look, I live in D.C. What do I know from this uh, Lower Manhattan? Can you just find me a good place to meet Tom Brady for lunch?" And he came up with the Dutch. Love the Dutch. Uh, love the Dutch, right? That was my first time. Would have been my first time with the Dutch. I subsequently have been there many times. However, however, um, we had a 12.30 meeting time. And then Brady emails me that morning. And he said, I'd like to call an audible. See, I didn't Good. know if he was being clever because he's like a quarterback. Yes. Yeah, so, like, now I could have said that to a friend of mine. Hey, let's call an audible. But, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when it's coming from Got Tom it? Brady. Mm-hmm. It's kind it's of legit. Like, it's legit. So, he said, hey, can you just come to my place at uh, 2.30 instead of the Dutch? So, there was no meal breaking except in so much that I got up to his, like, 48th floor apartment in some building that were the um, elevator opens directly onto the floor. Of course. Of course. Yeah. And he served me almonds and water. Almonds, uh, water in blue bottles because Giselle is a big has a thing about uh, light refracting I think I'm using refracting wrong but light going through blue in a way that energizes the particles in the water and I said I and I had read this and I said yeah this is like blue that's a thing right and he said yeah 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 it's something about getting energized or something so that's interesting that he kind of downplayed it little downplay Mm -hmm. the reason I'm starting here with this is 
we have the benefit now of seeing Tom Brady over the past since January of 2015 when this profile run, it, you know, it's September 2018. And over that period of time, some stuff has happened as it relates to Tom Brady and his legacy. Yeah. And, you know, sort of his or so his, his relationship with the Patriots and I have this this working theory now. You know, there there was the great story from ESPN last year with all of the palace intrigue, yep, absolutely uh, around Kraft and, and, and Belichick, yep. right? Exactly, yep. and 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 Brady and his trainer and totally his, the two sides and and the mm-hmm. uh, uh, not just ostracizing but the eventual dismissal of Jimmy Garoppolo, the future of, of the, the franchise of the, of the franchise. Yes, and the thing that struck me about just revisiting your uh, profile and and the nuts and the water, it really is kind of a, a vessel, so to speak, for this place that Brady's in now that feels like makes him wholly unrelatable. Interesting, because in relating to him, he became he was going through a gateway that made him wholly unrelatable. Now, this is what's interesting. Um, I always found him kind of relatable, even in his unrelatability. And okay. I, I, um, you know, I don't think I'm any more open-minded than anyone else, or maybe I am. Um, but I just think that, look, the guy's got, the guy, the guy's got kind of, I guess you'd call it eccentric, like focused, you know, obsessive dietary and health habits that obviously work for him. Yes. But I think he's kind of a normal guy despite being Tom Brady. All right. Well, just for effect. I'm yes. going to read all the things that he doesn't eat. Okay. And then I have a question on just the point you made. All so right. he, here's the list of things that the internet says Tom Brady. He avoids alcohol. Mm-hmm. He avoids gluten-containing bread and pasta. He doesn't eat breakfast cereal, corn, dairy, foods that contain GMOs, foods with high fructose corn syrup or trans fats. He avoids sugar, artificial sweeteners or soy, fruit juice, grain-based foods, jams and jellies, most cooking oils, salty snacks, sugary snacks, sweetened drinks, white potatoes, and condiments like ketchup and soy sauce. So in the heart of it, no white sugar, no white flour, no MSG. He doesn't cook with olive oil. He only cooks with coconut oil. Fats like canola oil turn into trans fats. He insists on using Himalayan pink salt. Uh, He never used iodized salt. No coffee, no caffeine, no fungus, no dairy. He doesn't eat nightshade vegetables. Nightshade Nightshade. vegetables. Such as peppers, tomatoes. He's throwing shade on nightshades. (laughs) So he's all of this vilification. He's on what he characterizes as an anti-inflammatory diet. Now, look, the merits of staying away from excess sugar and excess Sodium and excess saturated fat. That's unimpeachable. Well well documented. Yes. And I had uh, the great fortune of having Von Miller on uh, in the last fall. That's not just great fortune. That's great good fortune. Yeah, great good fortune. Now, now, and he talked about um, his diet and what a revelation it was for him early in his career. Somebody got in his ear and steered Mm -hmm. him away. He realized he he during his entire college career consumed oodles and oodles of fast food somebody made a diet recommendation to him and mm-hmm. it was a real revelation for him and he mm-hmm. attributes his dietary change to um you know his effectiveness he really interesting gives that high mm-hmm. marks and he also says that he uses that as his mentorship for incoming players he says you know go make an investment if you think you're going to be in this league for a little while go make mm-hmm. an investment in a personal chef and you have to eat healthy during the season and in the run-up to the season i think that's phenomenal 
So all those things make yeah. make perfect sense. Unimpeachable. If that were a president, we couldn't impeach it. <laughs> that's, that's, right? Right. that's right. But here's the thing I want to get to with Brady right. and the right. relatability. Yep. Uh, now we are in a moment where he is double the age of some of the some of his colleagues, or mm-hmm. nearly double the age. So Absolutely. there is necessarily kind of an age challenge. Yeah. But I just pose this question to you at the guts of it: How, how can, as a, the quarterback of a football team, with all these guys that are around you that are looking to you to be their leader, how can you trust a leader that you can't have a cheeseburger with? Um. I guess you just sort of have to, right? You take it on faith. You, well, it's not even pay. I mean, you, you you build your faith through other other means. I mean, well, the rings the rings kind the of rings help. Yeah, the, I mean, that, that I can. See. I think I think you know there are ways to build trust in relationships and bonds where, that don't involve a cheeseburger. Don't involve. I mean, right. I mean, like maybe for you and me, sure, maybe sure. not. But no, I mean, look, he, he probably the closest person in his life over his life has been his dad. Okay. okay, and maybe now his wife and you know kids and everything. Sure. But his dad and his dad, you know, is is very disparaging of his diet. I mean, respectful, but his dad says, um, you know, I would rather die than not eat chocolate ice cream. Actually, Tom said that about his dad. Tom. But well, I like his dad. I like his dad. No, and his the first Tom Brady, the first the original Tom Brady, the OG. And, the ori- and the original Tom Brady said, sometimes we'll go over to Tom and Giselle's house for dinner, and I'll say at the end, hey, where are we going for dinner? See, right. I respect that. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, ta- the OG came to my uh, my book uh, thing in San Francisco the oh. other day. He had been flying all day from Boston. He's 75 years old, whatever he is. And, you know, San Mateo, where he lives, probably about 40 minutes, maybe 30 minutes from where we were downtown. He came, he went up to downtown instead of going home. And I thought I was to so come moved. see you. To come see me. That I thought it was so, so moving. Incredible. And I thought it was sweet, especially since a lot, of, like Robert Kraft, especially, like a lot of the Patriots people just hate this book because I was, I do not spare some of my cynicism, even for the beloved team. Well, so. you also, and I wouldn't, I hope nobody accuses you of taking advantage, but um, <laughs> you elicited incredible quotes that the owners, the, the candor that they share with you, Without, it seems, fully comprehending the rules of the, the no, well, they, engagement. The, no, no, I will say, okay, they fully understood. I should hope they understood. The, I mean, <laughs> no, journalism is journalism. It doesn't matter what space. I mean, if you're yeah. off the record, you're off the record. You're not going to read about it. Uh, but what I did find is two things. One, um, these guys, are these owners especially, are used to a level of deference that I do not afford to people I write about, politicians namely. You I, don't got to do it. I don't got to do it. And I have... And you know what? Sports reporters don't got to do it, but that's they do right. It. So I, um, I've literally profiled, you know, hundreds of politicians over the years. Um, it's not like these owners or their flacks couldn't like, I mean, it's not like I've been writing in private. I mean, this is all like Googleable. <laughs> it's can like you can, you, you can, you can look me up. Yeah. The book, this town, it was a, you know, bestseller for three months. Damn right, man. And, but, but look, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think I burned anyone. I didn't like violate any ground rules, but I do think that they are not used to being looked at from an outsider someone who kind of is first of all i'm I'm more cynical than they knew i'm a much i mean in person i'm much more you know i'm kind of a you know with like robert Kraft. i mean i'm a pats fan i was open about it like why shouldn't i be um i know every story he's ever told i know his whole thing um and i'm a little cynical about it but i didn't lead with that because that's bad form and it's bad journalism basically or it's not bad journalism it's just bad interpersonal skills interpersonal yeah right. so anyway they just didn't know what to make of me and except except in so much and this was interesting a lot of these guys a lot of these like ceo types really rich guys like 
president, apparently, they have like four TVs going in their office. Have you ever known that? Like Robert Kraft literally has four TVs going in his office Why? on different channels. Like, I don't know. They don't want to miss anything. Like, I mean, Trump's got that. I well, mean, yeah, Sarah but, Sanders, it's her job, right? Yeah, yes, I mean, that's yes, been true yes, of every White House press right. secretary I've been to see. But no, they, a lot of them have like the TV going. I mean, a lot of them, they just need to see what's going on at all times. So I do like pundit stuff like on TV and they see me like going off about politics. So they must think I know something. And, and there's like, even like in that kind of shallow world, like, oh, he's on TV talking about politics. Right. Now I got to tell them of my story about Donald or my story about Hillary or whatever. Yes. And so- there, there was that. Uh -huh. um, they but, came prepared because they, they had just their, thought their that I was like, oh, I'm not on the you. NFL network. I'm not on. I don't write for like the Boston Globe sports page or Boston.com. So therefore, like, I don't know. It's it was weird, but it, it really was an advantage for them not to really know what to make of me. And, and that's sort of I don't know. I think that helped the book. So, I, 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 I agree. Uh, what also helped the book um, from my perspective, for the purposes of this show, mm -hmm. all our hungry homies out there. Um, you, you had many noteworthy, uh, breaking of the bread yes. occasions and drinking of the imbibing of the, uh, of, yes. of the drink. Yes, there, yeah. there was. Well, okay. So where do we start? Okay. So first of all, I would say a couple things. And I think we've talked about this at our, at our breaking of the bread, at our shrimps, at our breaking of the shrimps. Yeah. Um, we, uh, I, you know, I travel around a lot as a political reporter as, as you do, uh, you know, in your line of work. And I just. You know, I always think it's cheating. Like you have people go on Twitter and say, hey, I'm in Kansas City. Where should I eat? You go on Twitter and you get, you know, often quite good recommendations and you make little friends and it's kind of cool. Right. Um, in fact, Kansas City, I once did that. And <laughs> while I didn't get a good place to eat, um, was it Dolly Parton? No. Um, what was her name? Jesus. Actress. Uh, Morgan Fairchild. Oh. Morgan Fairchild said, hey. I love reading your stuff about politics. I'm performing in Kansas so-and-so. Let's have breakfast tomorrow at my hotel. So I had breakfast with Morgan Fairchild at this hotel. So that came from that. Anyway, I have a picture I can show you. Well, that, uh, anyway, but, I'll, I'll but I don't really believe in that because it feels like cheating. Yeah, it I feels it. like crowdsourcing and maybe it, it just doesn't. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. So, but I just sort of like. Well, over, our term for that here is belly sourcing, by the way. Belly sourcing. Yeah, yeah. good, right? We, we interface with oh our, with our community like that way. Pictures and belly recommendations. Well, we that's, belly source. I, I'm all for it. I just, but I like to do it myself. I if, get it. If I'm in St. Louis, I've been in St. Louis. The last time I was in St. St. Louis four years ago. I got a couple of recommendations from my editor who I think is from St. Louis. And I like had a couple places and I had a phenomenal, phenomenal um, jambalaya. Oh, you know, Louis. on the Mississippi River, yeah, yeah, okay. the, the New Orleans yeah, right. thing. Never would have thought of it. Yeah. So I have this uh, little iPhone file and it's called Road Food. And um, it's pretty random. Um, but like, I was in Phoenix like a few years ago and John McCain, God bless him. Yeah. Great restaurant yeah. food guy. He, I said, Hey, and like, I, it's a good way to connect with someone you might want to connect with. Like, where should I eat in Phoenix, Tucson? Cause I'm going to Tucson and gave me a few places. So I have things in every city. Like I think many people do, but right. I kind of accrued it from experience. Yeah. So. But, but in, in terms of, um, these sessions that you had, Mm -hmm. with, with the owners yes some number of them were over we're, meals we're or over, over meals drinks. or over drink okay well the most memorable was over drinks so this is yeah. jerry jones yes. jerry jones the owner of the dallas cowboys um i um wanted to interview him uh he likes to drink a lot and he said why don't you come down and and we'll we'll visit that's the other thing 
they all all the southern gentlemen of a certain age they always visit yeah i enjoyed the visit even if like you're on the phone you talk for two seconds hey that was a fun visit like there it's everything's about the visit anyway jerry jones i interviewed him once at the cowboys in his owner's suite at uh, at&t stadium and he promised me that he was giving me the best hot dogs and the best french fries i will ever have in his life and cooked by the chef now what else is a chef going to use other than his hands to cook a hot dog? <laughs> but it was good. And it might have been just because he was selling how good it was as we were going. Um, and he actually, this was, I don't have it in front of me, but he gave, he, one of the greatest pieces of wisdom have to do with food. He, he was friends with a guy who owned a Howard Johnson's franchise. And he was making the point that one great thing about food, especially chain food, is when you can rely on what you're going to get every single place. And he was making the comparison between the success of Howard Johnson's back in the day with the success of the NFL. And his friend said, Jerry, you know how we do it at Howard Johnson's? We, it's intensity. When you want to make something hot, like your French fries, you make it as so hot, it chills the roof of your mouth. And when you want something so cold, it like heats the, that's how hot it, so the intensity, whether the cold or of the hot, it makes up for a lot of frailty. Same thing in football. Football is so popular because whatever it does, it does it with intensity. It's over the top. So I thought that was kind of cool and had to do with fast food. Anyway, but the second time he had me visit with him on the Dallas Cowboys bus, it's one o'clock in the afternoon. He likes his Johnny Walker blue. One o'clock in the afternoon. You're on the Dallas Cowboys bus. I am. For your visit. For my visit. I had just gotten off the plane. For, it was right near about a couple miles from Dallas, Fort Worth Airport. Now, then in setting this up, had you eaten anything? Um. Like from the I'm airport on the way that there? I, I might have eaten something picked up at National Airport, Reagan National Airport. Oh, Probably. I'm not sure. My, my go-to there is now the Cava. Sure, yeah. I love, love the Cava. Cava. Although it's a very, it's one of three gates, and I'm not, I think it's the one in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Um, I sometimes do that. Uh, so I would have probably eaten there, eaten on the plane, and probably not digested that well. So I think mm. even though it was a three, four-hour flight, I would have I would have been hungry. I, I would have been hungry. He is drinking tea because he has a sore throat. Well, is there any evidence that he had eaten? No. Okay. No, no evidence. But it was one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. And he had a nowhere, Lunchtime. Lunchtime. He said, would you like a shot of scotch? <laughs> and I figured, you know, like, hey, when in Rome, right? When That's in Dallas. right. That's right. So on, he, the, on the Cowboys bus. On the Cowboys bus. And he said, that ought to clear up that sore throat because he had a sore throat. Um, and so he, um, but by shot of scotch. He didn't mean a shot because I'm thinking shot glass. Sure. Like a, no, no, no. A 24-ounce Dallas Cowboys souvenir cup that you get at the stadium by getting like a big gulp-sized kind of soda. So that's what we were getting. And uh, Rosie, no, it wasn't Rosie. It was um, another one of his ballet people. Um, he filled our club. Very important that the cups be filled with ice. Ice must go to the top because the intensity of the cold is important to the Johnny Walker Blue. Ah. And he kept refilling it. And the Johnny Walker Blue was so good when you say refilling it how much johnny walker blue is going into this cup that's filled Fill. to the top with ice? uh well you, you, the only i say so say the cups are 20 i'm gonna say let's be conservative and say 16 ounces okay. Although, no okay. maybe it's 24 it's a lot of scotch yeah also a lot of ice so that's going to mitigate things yeah. um but it tasted so good and it was so cold <laughs> and i it was so smooth and jerry and, and jerry drank it very fast and i just and and also you know when you're in a conversation an interview it's just like it's like 
and you got like a drink. It's like a kind of a thing to do. Like sometimes when I'm like on TV and there's like a thing of water, I always find myself sipping it because yeah, sort of like yeah, a, you were just on Bill Maher. Did you have a cup? And I did, yeah. and and I'm not sure it actually looks good on TV, but no. So I was just sipping it, and I just loved the way it was tasting, and I loved the ma- way it was making me feel. I bet, and I loved the way the interview was going, and things were deteriorating so quickly, and it went three, four hours, and he kept jiggling the ice to order more, like a refill, and I would say that. We probably had three, maybe four, like really, really, really big glasses of scotch. And um, he's a heavyweight. This guy's like probably 77, 76, maybe 78 years old. He's got a lot of heavyweight. Practice. A lot of practice. I mean, a serious heavyweight. Yeah. I am a middleweight at best, perhaps even like a, what, what's the, what's the one between a lightweight and a middleweight? I'm not. Is it a good featherweight, tether, feather? No, feathers feather? like really. No, that's light, really because that's yeah. not. No. Yeah, light middle. <laughs> so, I think is well, whatever. I'm middle? like you know, and you know, I'm out of. Pre- I mean, Phantom, college, no, no, I'm, you know, I'm 53 yeah. years old. I'm mean, not as old as Jerry, but like so. Um, I felt so good, and the interview was so good, and I taped the whole thing, so the tape recorder worked really ah, well. So that was my question, and yes. this was the challenge I, I was everything. going to ask you. Right, mm-hmm. you are a seasoned interviewer. I've been doing interviews for all of you know, as are you, five and a half minutes. Yeah, so yeah, I feel uh, the season, and you can see I have a legal sized piece of paper with notes. I have stickies. You know, I have highlighted things. You I'm, know, I'm when, spread out. You will have to donate your papers to someone, and this will all <laughs> show up somewhere. I, I, I definitely will not do that. Mm-hmm. It'll be. Uh, uh, it, it, it incredibly embarrassing but uh how how do you think about when you know you're going to be doing a drinking interview uh i didn't know apparent, what, yeah it becomes apparent what goes through your head like how am i going to conduct this in a way that that i we talk the way i want to talk no no anxiety around it whatsoever it flowed perfectly huh and i was really silly and he was really silly and the taper the only the most important thing is the tape recorder okay now what's interesting about this is um a couple things he said some things that got him in trouble i mean there's been like little shit storms and you can swear on this right you're like allowed in, yeah in we dallas the e label the e label uh in dallas like the one thing was i asked him he was talking about um there was an exchange where he, he had this because uh, his gold jacket. He was in, he was uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame. Indeed, his gold jacket. I said, "Would you trade your gold jacket for one of Robert Kraft's Super Bowl rings?" Because Robert Kraft very badly wants to be in the Hall of Fame. Jerry hasn't won a Super Bowl since 1996. You know, he's got three rings, not nothing. Yeah, not um, nothing. But uh, more rings than Dan Snyder has. Um, but sorry, man. But the the uh, but he, he and yeah, there's a politically correct answer when a reporter asks you that, which is there is nothing more important to me than to get another Super Bowl championship for our fans. Nothing. I would give anything for that. Jerry, to his credit, said, "Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy," and he he struggled. He struggled, and he said, "I would keep the jacket." How far? How many glasses? How many of these giant? It's about halfway tumble, through. Halfway I mean, through. I mean, but you know what? Here's the thing. So, Rich Dalrymple, his flack, who saw was witnessing this whole travesty Drink unfolding. Uh, Rich was drinking some. I think Rich was drinking beer. Um, and he 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 immediately asked for a mulligan because we were on a golf course. We were at the Dallas Cowboys golf course. This was the golf tournament on the bus. On the bus at the golf, at the golf course. course, drinking Johnny Walker. Said, hey, yeah, hey, we're on a golf course. We get a mulligan, right? <laughs> so yeah, that's the thing. Deference, like you know, he said the wrong thing. Clearly, I'm going to take care of Jerry. Yes. And at the moment, I don't think I committed either way, but I was feeling very charitable. I said, "Oh, don't worry about it." 
which is non-committal. Maybe yeah. it's a little cute on my part. Anyway, I of course wrote what he says answer, his proper answer. And um, so he had to like walk it, didn't walk it back. He said, Well, what I said to the reporter, and he did, is I would if you guaranteed me another Super Bowl ring, I would write you a check for two hundred and fifty million dollars and you could walk out of here with a check like that. And I said, well, I wish I could, but I don't have that power. And if I did have that power, I, don't, I think it would be unethical for me to do that. So I would hope that no one would catch us. Um, but so the um, so so he did say that. So um, and then so another well, anyway, this this goes on. But um, have you encountered him since? Well, so this is this is OK. So I tell so him at the Super Bowl and this was a Super Bowl party that Roger Goodell threw last year in Minnesota. The last Super Bowl party I will ever be invited to, <laughs> by, certainly hosted by Roger Goodell, and there's no question in my mind. And so Jerry was holding court, and I went up to him, and I didn't. I said, "Hey, we we had a nice visit last May in Dallas. So this would have been February in Minnesota." Uh, and he said, "I I remember that visit. Uh, there are some things that we that I said that you better take care of me on." <laughs> ah. I was noncommittal, and you know, he wasn't being menacing sure, or intimidating. Sure, sure. He was being but joyful. he knew. He knew, and, and, and at one point, and... Rich, when Jerry got up to go to the bathroom it, during the bus debacle, um, he said, you're not going to make him look like an ass, are you? And I, and I was non-responsive. I said, he's not an ass. And Rich echoed that and said, he's good for the game, isn't he? And I said, he absolutely is good for the game. So I steered the conversation away from any commitment to making him look a certain way. Anyway, that was a f memorable interview that was conducted over drink, and he left after about four or five hours, probably about four or five o'clock in the afternoon. He said, you, you need to lie down or something, because i got to go back to the golf club, which is right across the parking lot. And as a matter of fact, I did. You did. Because I had a rental car, and I had a hotel close by, but there was no way. There was just no way. Uh, you know, I just no way. And so... You did the responsible thing. I, I lay down, and Jerry left, and... I opened my eyes and the valet was like looking down on me and it was 10 o'clock at night. It was pitch dark. <laughs> and he said, uh, you do not try to keep up with the Joneses. You do not come on the Dallas Cowboys bus. It is known you don't try to drink with the Joneses. Like apparently it was known, but I didn't know. And who was going to tell fire you? beware, right? Yeah. So, so, so this was, um, how, so yeah. So then apparently Rich told me later, Jerry then had gone back to the bar in the clubhouse and had ordered up beers for everyone. And he said, we got to get ourselves some cigars. And, um, and Rich described it like a heavyweight 15 round fight that went 11 rounds and Jerry was, was ready for more. So I thought it was, he commended me for at least being a participant in a heavyweight fight. Yeah. You was, made it through the first uh, six rounds of, mm -hmm. of, of the fight. 11 know? by Rich's oh, 11. charitable Pardon me. Pardon me. Yeah. That's right. So well. anyway, I, I look Jerry, the great thing about Jerry and this was, impeccably documented by um brian curtis in the ringer is he doesn't give a shit mm -hmm. you can he's always much, on brand he's, he's never always, not on brand it's not even on brand like he just you can say whatever you want about him it's like he just loves it he loves being part of the circus and he doesn't matter he doesn't really matter if he's a clown or if he's the elephant or if he's the 800 pound gorilla he'll just enjoy being in the circus and how can you not appreciate that how can you not appreciate now, that? Is it good for the game? Is it good for America? Is it good for humanity? Who knows? But right. I enjoyed it. Well, and you know, uh, it is our our entertainment. Uh, I don't know what it was, but it was. Yeah, look, it's a chapter in the book, and I think people will enjoy it. I I, I certainly. The other thing, by the way, has gotten him in some tr not trouble, but um, Mike Florio in Pro Football Talk picked up on a quote in that 
Boston interview in which he was talking about how it's important to have fun and he had fun no matter what he was doing and he was selling shoes early in his career and okay. he said, I have sold shoes. I have masturbated into my shoes. Oh. And I said to him, you know, we've all been there, sir. I was trying to put him at ease, but I mean, <laughs> as a disclaimer, I said in the book that I never actually had done I, that. Nor I'm not. I, no. I, yeah. So I, um, can we talk about this? Of anyway, course, he what said, do you mean? I said to him, you know, Mr. Jones, because they all need to be called Mr., but I think I called him Jerry. I guarantee you Robert Kraft is not sitting on a bus somewhere in Foxborough talking about masturbating into his shoes to a reporter. And then um, it was, but it was decided that he has a much younger girlfriend, which he does. And so therefore he belongs in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> and Jerry said, put him in the Hall of Fame. He has Jerry's vote. I don't know if he does have a jury's vote. They have a bit of a shadow right well, but, but, you know, but certainly yeah, that's from a, the basis that's a, of the girlfriend, that's a that's one in the plus column. No question. The pros. No okay. Question. Yeah. Well, we're going to get to the road food file. Yeah. And, and over the, the course of, you know, the, 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 the building of this book. Yes. You um, followed your own particular path with the belly sourcing, which is mm-hmm. you don't you didn't put it out to the public. You used uh, pointed referrals and so forth. Mm-hmm. Help me. I, you, you and I talked about a trip to, to Lambo mm, and phenomenal. You uh, arriving in enough time mm-hmm. to go just walk in solo, yes, uh, to an establishment, a place that had been recommended to you, and then to, yep. to sample it. Yeah. Um, so, a couple of okay. So, Lambo. I'd never been to Lambo before. I've like never been my own. I, I need it. It's everyone should go. It's a great okay. place. Um, right. It was the wild card round of the playoffs. They're playing the Giants um, in early 2017 so it was january 2017 um ken belson my colleague at the times gave me this great place called the the sardine can the sardine can a great dive bar called the sardine can belson told me to go there and the guy who owns the sardine can went on letterman because he could like drink a beer through his nose or something oh when he did that it was a stupid he described it yeah he described it as a dump but it was it was that was cool but the biggest, the best advice I got was from Peter King, then of Sports Illustrated, who said that you just gotta, whatever you do, just go to like Titletown or whatever. You can't go wrong it. But when you go to the game, just get there five hours early, strike up conversations with people, and you will be extremely well fed. So you get the full tailgate experience, which is cool. But unfortunately, after, okay, so this is what I did I, I sat through the game and it was a really cold game. Yeah. Packers won. Really cold. Walked out, and I was walking back to my hotel, and I there was a faux place. There was a faux place, like within is it far or faux? I'm I, to, I, we we say faux. Can I just you, call it faux? I know, yes, I know, you it's can, like faux. You're, you're how, from yeah, New I, England, I, of course I'm, you can. I, I'm like you know, my my daughters are all faux. This <laughs> I I, just, I I don't mean I want to be don't you know, want to be disrespectful to people who eat faux, but I was faux. So it's like wow, I'm cold. I mean, what could be better than faux? Yes. Fa. yes. And you can't mess up faux. No. They didn't mess up faux. It was yeah. like a fine faux. And so I was warmed up, but then I realized I was really hungry. So the faux, you know, warmed me up and it filled me up. And then Loosened I got back to my up. hotel. Loosened me up. And it was probably about 930 at night. All the recommended places were kind of closed. Yeah. Because Green Bay. So I had to go to Brett Favre Steakhouse. Oh. Very disappointing. Oh. I felt, I mean, I hate, felt, feel bad to say it. It was really, really subpar. You know, this is the thing. There's kind of that's a universal truth. Don't right? go to a place with an right. athlete's name that's on it, it, right? That's it. Mm. I mean, it was, that will be a fun 
conversation for another one of these mm-hmm. these shows. What 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 is what's the most successful one? I've been to the Michael Jordan Steakhouse. Any good? No, no. You know, a Walter Payton's Roundhouse in Aurora, Illinois, was a very good place. Although it might not be there anymore. Huh. Of course, you know what Aurora is known for. Uh, Wayne's World. Oh, sure, of course. Yeah. I, I can't believe I so blanked on that. Also, place you know, home of Stan Makita's bagel, uh, bagel, Stan Makita's donut shop. We'll have to put this out to the to the, all, all of our culinary comrades. The, mm. the best sports, you know, the, the, where the, where the icon has opened up a restaurant. What's the best one? Yeah, Wiseman well, had a place for a little while. It closed. Kevin Greeby's place. Really, you know, Kevin Greeby, the basketball player. You don't. Have, our, I'm of, insulted. <laughs> Jesus, man. You're telling me Kevin Greeby, what, yeah. as opposed to what, the baseball player? I know. I know. Greeby's. I, how is Shula's Steakhouse? Never been. It's a chain. Eh. 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 It's, you know, it's a hotel chain, and if you're stuck, it's, you know, oh, you, know, you arrive at 945 at night, and you've just arrived, and you need Shoeless, to sit yeah. at the bar. That's it's one of those places, yeah. right? All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Because, well, you know, well, some of those places are quite good. They can be. Yeah. Right? Like, I really like the Omaha Steak uh, Restaurant franchises. Sure. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's a good subcategory. Yeah, I think that I think that's right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, last last thing, mm-hmm. uh, we've covered a couple of your experiences uh, eating and drinking. We we got the highlight of the of the Jerry Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me, I I I took us to Lambo because I wanted to go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the highlight of your uh, food tour over the four years. What was the best meal you had? Um. Oh wait, wait a minute. I gotta, I gotta back up. Oh, Craig Biggio's Bar and Grill at the JW Marriott in Houston ate and drank there pretty much every night during Super Bowl Fifty One. Okay, as along with many Boston media people. Does it go by one. Craig Biggio's or is it yeah. Biggio? And as uh, yeah, it okay. goes by Biggio. Man, I don't know if Craig's in the monitor. Anyway, that's another one. Very good. Very, very that yeah, was that's very a good solid. One. That's a unspectacular, like Craig Biggio. Oh, <laughs> so I don't know if I'd put it in the Hall of Fame. I don't know if I'd put Craig Biggio in the Hall of Fame. Sure, whole other conversation. Best meal, you know, interesting. It's very city specific. Of course, I go to Indianapolis for the draft combine for the um, scouting combine yes. for the draft. Yes, I ate at St. Elmo Steakhouse three nights in a row. Well, with I, good reason. Of I course, mean, it's the place. I loved it. Unparalleled Un- shrimp cocktail. Unbelievable! If you love shrimp cocktail, and by the way. It's not a small lift. Like, that is one no. serious. I mean, you think Indianapolis shrimp. Like, come on. But no, I mean, the horseradish. That's they it. They just like, yeah. It's an amazing. But I, I also, I mean, it's known for the horseradish and it's known for the shrimp cocktail, but the steak is really good. Right. I really love that place. And I once went there with, I think I told you this, uh, Andrew Whitworth, an offensive lineman then for the Bengals, and Eric Winston, who's head of the NFL Players Association, yes. also for the Bengals. And they were there doing some draft combine thing, like meeting with players or something. So we went out to St. Elmo's, and there was a fourth who was a former teammate of Eric's when he played for the Texans. I forgot his name, David something. Anyway, uh, you know those steaks that you get for four? Like the yeah, porterhouse oh, I, I'm, I'm familiar. They each got one. <laughs> sure, yeah. of course they and did. And the first time I'd gone out to eat with with Eric for was, themselves, they weren't sharing. They had yeah. one each yes. one for themselves. Yes. Steak for four means steak for one. Yes. Well, I have this principle when it comes to chicken. Mm-hmm. I've ne- I've never been a person that appreciates when you walk in to a place like the roasted chicken has made a comeback in yeah. many of them. Yes, it's, it's back in the fine dining, and a lot of times they'll say this is this is to be shared. This is a chicken for two. Eh, eh, eh. 
No. Now, and, and it's the, chicken. You can't it's chicken. It's, you can get away with that. Of it's course, chicken. You're eating course. well. Now, steak for four, that's legitimately for, for more than Offensive one human linemen. being. These yes. are like 330 pound, you know, linemen, you know. It's so, yes. And, and, you know, look, and, and I think Winston doesn't have a day. I think he retired last year. I'm guessing he dropped weight. This uh, is I, another thing. Sure. But you know, the other thing, the first time I went to eat with Eric, the only other time I think was, um, was at a, um, like a, like a tiki torch kind of place in Chicago for the draft. That was the Laramie Tunsil draft. And he got like a poo poo platter because, you know, poo poo platters are to be shared. Terrific. Not Eric. <laughs> Not Eric, to be shared. Eric got the poo poo. Did they put it on the lazy student so he could just spin it around for himself well, and, and, and I select? I think I would hope. Yeah. I mean, isn't that sort of like what it's an important, that, yeah, it's an important part of the poo poo platter? It really is. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It, it may be the, the most important part. Now, of the question. Go ahead. I, when I was in high school, the poo poo platter was big in Prevalent. my Chinese mood, e- food eating experience. Since then, Chinese food has gotten you know maybe more sophisticated or is the is the um is the prevalence of the poo-poo platter as it was 30 years ago no or, or i can't it... tell you one place to go get a poo-poo platter here in washington dc <laughs> you live here you've I lived do. here for a long time not once Name I had... one no. chinese food restaurant you could go to and go order a poo-poo platter now there the part of the thing is uh in my experience it has like this uh, uh polynesian you know mm-hmm. it's, it's the tiki version of of asian yes. food and I don't know if that I don't know where to go for that anymore. Yes, right, correct. I mean, it's no longer a caricature. Asian food is no longer a caricature. No, so it you is, can go have go experience the cuisine in like a micro cuisine and, kind of way. And maybe that's for the better. Oh, um, I, th- I, I mean, for I, me, I, I think yeah, so. I think so. But, but you know, did we have to did we have to sacrifice we, the, the poo platter? platter. You where, know, where can we go for poo-poo platter? You know what? Anyone the, who's from the Washington metropolitan area, or really any city, well, no, uh, let's just throw it out here there. in the DMV. We want to hear this. Lebo yeah. and House need to get to for somewhere for a, for a poo-poo platter here in the DMV. But we need to do the seafood towers first. Well, that well, we're going to do that, and yeah, and, okay. and and that'll be uh, a, a, another episode. Yes, uh, Mark Levovich. The book is Big Game: The NFL in Dangerous Times. Thanks for coming on today, my friend. House, this was totally great. Everything I would have hoped. (laughs) Awesome. There we go, my culinary comrades. Humongous thanks to my boy, Mark Leibovich. Lebo, the stories were as delicious as your bald head. I can't wait to get some shrimp with you. A couple of words from some friends of House of Carbs before we get to the food news. First, Le Creuset. As a chef, we are always talking about sourcing the best quality ingredients. The chefs are want to know their suppliers. But listen, using the right cookware and tools is just as important. Le Creuset makes beautiful cookware that is fully functional. I have many pieces in the House of Carbs kitchen here in the DMV here in Washington, D.C. Le Creuset was the first to introduce introduce color to the kitchen. They were pioneers with the enameled cast iron. Superior heat retention of cast iron paired with beautiful unparalleled performance and the ease of enamel. All cast iron is still made in France since 1925 in an original French foundry. These are original heirloom pieces, original heirloom cookware backed by a lifetime warranty. My friends, I am so thrilled to have this change of season upon us. It is chilly season. It is stew season. 
It is, I made a beautiful red curry coconut chicken soup with some, wait for it, ramen noodles, Tokyo ramen noodles. Of course it was in my beautiful Le Creuset red crock. My friends, check out the new color from Le Creuset. I am taking a look at this right now. It's just launched in September. Indigo is the truest blue, inspired by the iconic natural dye. This is a rich, deep hue of Le Creuset's indigo. It's universally authentic. You can get free shipping right now on this timeless, true blue, bold, neutral style. Get free shipping at lecruset.com slash carbs with promo code carbs. That's L-E-C-R-E-U-S-E-T dot com slash carbs. Promo code carbs for free shipping. Do it now. Today's show also brought to us by our good friends at Jewel, the beautiful sous vide. You can host the most delicious dinner party ever with the Jewel sous vide. With Jewel, it's easy to make incredible steak, chicken, pork, veggies, even desserts. Now, that's not something that I've tried yet. I have not yet tried the sous vide dessert. But with the sous vide, there's zero guesswork, so food is never under or overcooked. And you can host amazing parties without stress. Cooking with Jewel is hands-free. You step away from the kitchen. You hang out with your guests. You maybe have a sip or two or three. You relax. You focus on the party part of the party. If your guests are running late, don't worry. The Jewel heats food to the exact right temperature, and then it holds it there. So this is beautiful. So that food is ready to eat whenever you are. Perfectly cooked carrots. Mini jars of pumpkin pie. It is that season, my friends. The best Thanksgiving turkey you have ever had. They're all a snap. If you're looking for inspiration, jump over. 100 plus step-by-step recipes in the video-rich Jewel app. Check this thing out. You can make restaurant-quality food at home with the Jewel sous vide. To get yours, visit chefsteps.com slash Jewel and use code CARBS. To get $15 off for a limited time, that's chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E. Code carbs for 15 bucks off. Jewel, perfect food every time. All right, hungry homies, it is now time for Food News. Taste Buds special guest on Food News today. She is now a frequent contributor to House of Carbs, the deputy culture editor at Ringer.com, co-host of the Jam Session podcast, Amanda Dobbins. Thank you for coming on our House of Carbs again. Thank you for having me back. I'm so honored. I feel like this second invitation is the one when you know that they actually like you. <laughs> well, the the bachelorette party take was so hot, so spicy. <laughs> you gave out so many, so 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 much good guidance to to the, all of the uh, aspiring bachelorettes out there about how to think about where to go and venue, and you know, don't don't ruin our dining experience. Um, we needed you back. Well, I'm happy to be here. I'll try to be as spicy. <laughs> Speaking of spicy, we have a couple stories today, right? Yes, we do. The first is from Food Beast. I'm just going to read you the headline, which pretty much encapsulates it. Guy banned from all-you-can-eat sushi spot after eating almost 100 plates of sushi in one sitting. 
So, I yeah, mean, so go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, so th- that paints a pretty vivid fi- picture, though I do feel that there are a few specifics in the piece itself that uh, we should we should have all the information before we discuss. Okay. Yeah, let's cover it. Okay. Let's cover it. So, according to the local, the eater was Ironman triathlete Jaroslav Bobrowski, who fasts for 20 hours a day before gorging himself on food. He was actually a regular at this particular sushi spot called Running Sushi, and his latest eating feat was the straw that broke the camel's back for the owner. Running Sushi charges about $18.50 per person, so by eating so many plates, Bobrowski was easily making the restaurant lose money fast. And this is also in Germany, by the way. I should I should clarify. So, so there you go. I think those are all the important facts. Well, a few things about this that are that are curious right away. Mm-hmm. Now, this this I saw this story uh, independent of, of food news. I think it went sort of semi-viral. Yes, the headline of of a hundred plates of sushi that that's a that's a big headline. Um, let's first sort of pierce that. So, a hundred plates of sushi feels like it could be not necessarily an enormous amount of food. A lot of food, but not like, you know, 15 pounds of food. Not like one of these mega pizzas that are stuffed inside of a mega cheeseburger that's wrapped up in a mega lasagna kind of deals that you see across these great United States. I think Uh, if you go ahead, I think that's I think it's true that it's lighter. But also, how many pieces of sushi do you think is on a plate of sushi? If you had to guess. Well, it it could be as few as one, right? Okay. Like it, it, if if, if you're having a nigiri, sashimi, it depends on what we're calling here. You know, sushi, when you go, I'm going to eat sushi, it can encompass a whole range of, of different um, styles of, of uh, raw fish and different presentation methods. And so even if it was, you know, a dragon roll sliced up, you know, into six pieces, it doesn't necessarily have to be huge pieces. What do you think? I think that's true. I I will say the all you can eat sushi places. Have you been to an all you can eat sushi place? I, I have I have not and w- w- I will I will confess this. Mm-hmm. Every time I go eat sushi, mm-hmm. I treat it as an all you can eat sushi <laughs> place. Well, yes. Yeah. So I was going to say I there was a place I lived in New York and there was a place on the Upper West Side in my 20s that I went to with a group of people a couple of times. And I'm not, I can't speak for all all all-you-can-eat sushi places, but they're not doing the really fancy, careful, one beautiful piece of sushi presented to you on a plate situation that you might get at, say, a a upper-scale sushi bar or you know, I'm thinking of th- that place, Sushi Park in Los Angeles, that's very famous. And I guess they'll bring, you know, two pieces of nigiri. But again, in my experience, was not delicate. It was like, here is your California roll, eight pieces on a plate. Here yeah. is your. Okay. So I, I'm guessing at minimum, it's four pieces of sushi on a plate. That's what I'm guessing. Okay. So it, even, even in Germany, where they, they undoubtedly have different rules. Sure. I mean, that's true. <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> at, at minimum, it's 100 pieces of sushi, which is a lot of at sushi. At minimum. At minimum. And that's a lot. That that's is right. a lot. You're right. Especially if they're only charging you eighteen fifty for it. Well, I, here, here's the thing. Yes. Uh, 
this guy is a known quantity to them. They speaking of, of quantity. Yes. They they know him. They know what his deal is. And I'm curious as to how the interaction went between the gentleman and his server on this particular occasion. Because when he reached, say, fifty plates. Yes. Do you do was that an eyebrow? What what was the threshold for when the eyebrows went up at the establishment? Well, it can't have been on this trip because he's been there before. And as it notes, he's an Ironman triathlete who fasts for 20 hours a day. So I can't imagine that every single other time he just goes in and, like, you know, orders a nice rainbow roll and eats it delicately Word. and then leaves. I think he's... Word, exactly. He's probably... As you pointed out, this is known behavior. He has been doing this before. And maybe 100 plates was just kind of his personal best. Well, and the, the thing that I wonder about is what what was his normal plate consumption? Is he a, Was he a 40-plate guy? Was right. he a 60-plate guy? They clearly indulged some number of plates. And in this particular instance... He jumped way over their their pain threshold yes. and put them in, in in a torture chamber that they were not prepared. The the sushi, you know, uh preparation and, and delivery torture chamber. They and and it was just a bridge too far. But I wonder if it was the cumulative effect of this gentleman's frequent visits, um, where where they they all things being equal, were looking for an occasion to kick his ass out. Because he came in and ate 50 plates every other time. And they're like, you know, 50 is kind of 25 more than we were prepared to do here. You know, this this is, this is I'm trying to fill in some blanks here, yes. Amanda, because well, it feels I, like there's more to the story. I was going to ask you, if you are the proprietor of an all-you-can-eat sushi spot, what is your cutoff for the number of plates before you kick someone out? Uh, I, I, I don't have a good feel for that. That's a great question because I don't understand. I don't have a good, um, feel for the economics and right. you just described to me, you know, what the kind of New York standard would be for an all you can eat, uh, sushi offering. I don't know if, if the same is true in Germany. I feel like there should be just a time thing. Like you can come in and eat as many plates as you can eat in 45 minutes and I'm um, willing to indulge. You know, because it feels like the t- the turnover is the thing that makes this profitable for for the business. The table turnover. I I wonder how long this dude was sitting there for his, for his hundred plates. Um, but I think that's the way I would I would target it. I would say you get you got forty five minutes. I'm going to bring you everything that you want. Uh, but then you got to get up and get your ass out of here. That's really smart. I wouldn't have thought of that. That's why you have a podcast about this. Um, <laughs> I have one more piece of information that I do think is important, which is, uh, according to this article, Bobrowski did try to tip as a way to say thanks for letting him eat so much, but the waiter serving him declined to accept it. So it feels like there maybe was a little premeditation to all Yeah, this. I don't like, think they're happy. Oh, it's this guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here we go. It's this yeah. guy again. Right. Um, how many plates of sushi and, do you think you could eat? Uh, e- easily 25. Okay. Um, I would, I probably like 35, but I'm thinking of high end. Like I, um, I'm going to botch the name. Sasabune, mm-hmm. uh, on the upper East in New York is wonderful. 
sushi taro here in Washington, D.C. Like, if you have the omakase at a place mm-hmm. uh, where the chef is just making, you know, small bites of food and they come out on an individual plate, mm-hmm. um, I that's a very easy, that's a t- very easy to do 20 plates kind of minimum. And the truly filling things are like, you know, if they do um, special, you know, crab rolled up in, in seaweed, crab roll, crab right. hand roll kind of oh, thing. I love those. But They're most so of the, good. if you're doing like just, you know, he, here are a couple bites of this incredible scallop um, mm-hmm. that, you know, was alive uh, less than six hours ago <laughs> or maybe was alive six minutes ago. And, and now here it is, you know. That kind of thing. Those just go. Those just those go in. They they hit your palate. Uh, the same is true of uni, right? Like that's yes. just a, that's one or two pieces of of wonderful uni. Uh, uni takes me to the Pacific Ocean. I'm there. I'm back. Another sip of uh, you know my 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 delicious uh, Kirin uh, mm-hmm. beer. My hopefully it's a 24 ouncer and on to the next plate. So I easily like 25 to 35. Um, north of that, I I I feel like I'd start to get. Uh, drunk unfortunately yeah i would have said that i could do i think in a vacuum i would say i could do like 10 to 15 easily of like a yeah but i was recently i went to a wedding this weekend um it was a great wedding part of the reason that it was great is because they actually had a sushi bar during the hors d'oeuvre oh. section Yes. And so, right. So it was essentially an all you can eat sushi for me in that experience. And I had also had a drink or two at that point because it was a wedding. And I really, I tapped out at three. I kind of, I went back twice because again, there was so much and I got full a lot more quickly than I thought I would, which was disappointing because it was really delicious sushi. Well, that, this is the thing though, under those circumstances, uh, you're really just fighting off all the stimuli. I mean, you're there. It's a, it's a sensory overload. It's true. That's not a situation where you can sit down and, and focus and be devoted and, and, you know, have a rhapsodic uh, experience with, with your, with your sushi. You're not going to get to be one with the fish That's in, a good in that kind of a setting. Okay. So I, 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 I don't mind it. And, and maybe we should try this. I'll come out. Uh, I'm going to be out in a few weeks, uh, middle of the month. I don't know what's is sugarfish still, you know, top notch out there in LA. It's certainly very close to our office. So it's top notch <laughs> for me. <laughs> I see. Yeah. I'm sure that the sushi official, sushi aficionado, uh, uh, look at, try and say that fast 10 times. Yes, sushi aficionados out there in LA may not have some spots for us, but I, I, maybe we'll just give this a taste test. I have four or five or six meals that I have to consume while I'm out there. This, this, this might be one of them. Let's do it. I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. That'd be fun. Wouldn't it? Yeah. It would be great. That way we can also empathize with Mr. Bobrowski. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> we'll, we'll count plates. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for food news? Number two. Yes. Okay. Shake Shack is selling chicken nuggets. Wow. Okay. I I'm mean, going to. Is... Yes. Go, so, okay, just go ahead. So I would like to describe to you the nature of the. Uh, so they're going to be called chicken bites, I guess, because chicken nuggets is copyrighted or whatever. So they're crispy pieces of hand breaded chicken breast made from fresh, never frozen, antibiotic free chicken. There'll be a six piece for four thirty nine. A 10-piece for $6.39. This is crucial. They'll come served with honey mustard or barbecue sauce. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about how they're prepared. 
they are cooked sous vide and then uh, fried. Yeah. So this will keep the chicken wow. moist, flavorful, and consistent. Yes. This is pretty big. Well, this is also, it's it's very on topic today. Uh, one of the sponsors of House of Carbs, the uh, Jules sous vide, which I have had the, the great good fortune of, of putting to the test. Um, I didn't anticipate that we were going to have a sous vide. I wonder what you get consistency-wise, what it is about that preparation, that technique that brings out, you know, a unique Shake Shack uh, experience for the chicken bite. I'd love to hear something about the science when you go from sous vide to the fryer. Right. I Unfortunately, the press release does not include that, but I, <laughs> I, I didn't think that it would. You know, I, I mean, I have to assume that it just keeps it, since they're making them at such high batches, they can cook it much of it ahead of time and then and then fry right before you eat it. Or pretty oh, soon. Oh, so maybe you like eat a it? flash fry kind of vibe. I that's think, how you keep it moist, huh? I think that that is I mean, that's my best guess based on how they're mm. describing it and the beautiful pictures that I'm looking at. These look really fantastic. They're really not enough high quality fast food nuggets on the market in my opinion. And I say this as someone who grew up in Atlanta and was raised on Chick-fil-A, which is still, it's it's very hard for me to turn down a, a Chick-fil-A nugget, but it would be nice for various reasons to have a second option. So I'm excited about Shake Shop. I'm sorry, Shake Shack uh, yeah. getting into the market. Well, I, I have a very quick aside on, on yes. the chicken, uh, the, the nuggets at, at Chick-fil-A. Yes. And I hope this doesn't uh, cause anybody... To turn off the 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 podcast, not a huge fan of their their nuggets. Really? Um, what what the, don't the, you like about them? They're not big enough. Oh. They're, they're they feel like they 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 tend to trend closer towards like a popcorn bite, mm-hmm. you know, the popcorn chicken vibe, as opposed to a full bore two bite, you know, chicken. Where I I want a a, a piece of white meat that I can sink my teeth into. And may you know that that I can eat in one bite, but that probably most normal people would eat in two bites. That's that's my ideal chicken nugget size. Yeah, that's a valid point. My counterpoint for this, and again, it's yes, deeply rooted in personal experience. But growing up in Atlanta, Georgia, I, I you know, as a little kid, you sometimes get dragged to like adult functions, whether it's like you know. A, some sort of family reception or your parents or I don't know, you got to go to some party where there are mostly grownups and it's no fun. And inevitably at these parties, there would be a Chick-fil-A nugget platter. It would be like oh, wow. all the grown-up hors d'oeuvres and then a, just a heaping platter of Chick-fil-A nuggets. And in an hors d'oeuvre one bite setting, there's really, it's hard to outdo it. It's so, so good. Right. And so if you're thinking about it it as an appetizer, which is what I've always associated them as, they're pretty much perfect. But you make a valid point. You want something in between the tiny nugget and the full chicken tender. So so and and I will just tell you the way that I personally address that when I go to Chick-fil-A, if I'm going to have my a full Joe House Chick-fil-A meal, I order both the tenders and the nuggets. As well as two sandwiches okay. and a shake. I mean, I have a, I have a, I have a five-item order. That's the standard house order 
when I go there when I'm 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 in the mood for a full meal, right. and I might get a third sandwich, one that goes in the fridge for the next day. Yeah, they are surprisingly good when cold or left over. Yeah, and- not bad at all. It, but that's how I think, you know, the combination of the tender and the nugget, get, that delivers all that I need out of the the smaller form right. of, of chicken that Chick-fil-A serves up. So I'm looking at a picture of the Shake Shack nuggets. And I, I mean, I have really no idea. But using other items in the picture as a sort of measurement size, I think you're going to be happy. I think that it is. They look. Yeah. I have it in front of me as well. I'm looking at them. If if the crinkle fries are any indication, yes. several of these pieces are at least three quarters the the length of a crinkle fry. Yes. Which is, is very confirming, very validating. Now for me, I have Shake Shack in the very upper echelon of fast food experiences. I'm I'm on record as loving Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. I am a devoted Five Guys person because of its uh, origination here in DC, in the in the in the DC area. That's exactly right. Uh, where is Shake Shack for you? This is boring because it's also very high for me. I really okay. I don't have a huge. I would say that Chick Fil A because that's what I grew up in Atlanta going to on a regular basis. And then Shake Shack came around when I was living in New York. So I I remember waiting in line at that for that first interminable line in Madison Square Park for Shake Shack. I'm trying to think of a more interesting fast food opinion to give you. And well, you don't have to work hard at it. I let me I will tell you, I'm not above. I love Wendy's and I love Wendy's chicken sandwich offerings. They they can't really do wrong. They were the first to bring me a spicy chicken sandwich. Yes. And I felt like they got they did it really well. Yes. Uh, and this was, you know, way back. They were uh, uh, early movers on the spicy chicken. Yeah. So I'll do me a Wendy's in a heartbeat. I will as well. We stopped a lot on road trips and we would do the spicy chicken and the frosty. And I am a fry in the frosty person. I believe that that's extremely oh. important. Yeah. Yeah. The salty, sweet, and the yeah. cold and the hot. And yeah. yeah. They have to be, you need some heat in the fries. They right. can't have, have uh, succumbed to room temperature. Sure. They still have to be hot for me to enjoy it that way. I but agree. I, I, I certainly appreciate that. I would be remiss uh, to skip Popeyes in this conversation. And oh, I mean, it's, a, sure. it's the oest of OGs. Yeah, but also I think they have really good, I, I mean, I, I think they must still have the chicken tenders beyond like the actual, you know, however many pieces and a biscuit. Those are really good as well, or at least they were the last time that I had them. They may not have them anymore. Oh, they have them. Okay. I had Popeye's two and a half weeks ago. Okay, great. I Few. ordered 20 pieces. I ordered a 12-piece <laughs> spicy and 20 pieces. And it. let me tell you something. Popeyes knows that they that they have you by the short hairs. Mm-hmm. They do not sell those those uh, tenders or nuggets. They're, those are not inexpensive inexpensive yeah, items. If you true. want twenty, you better be prepared to break <laughs> out the the, the plastic, uh, and 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 just you know go with the flow. You you can't be price conscious. Yeah. Uh, when 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 you're there at the at the Popeyes, but I like it. Yeah, I'm glad Shake Shack is in the mix. I like their chicken sandwich. 
Me too. Um, this is the I, this is the point I was going to make. They continue to elevate and innovate their offerings in a way. I mean, this is I also have a standard order to uh, order at, at, at Shake Shack. I get the smokestack. I get the whatever the one is with the spicy stuff, and then I get a double. Um, mm-hmm. And then I have crinkle fries, and I also have to get a shake when I go to Shake Shack. But sure. the chicken sandwich now is making a you know an appearance in the rotation, and these nuggets. I mean, come on, they're going to be right up there. I'm ready. I'm excited. Yeah, okay. they they can't get here soon enough. What, what what's the what do they say they're going to be available? So they are supposed to roll out over October. If you live in New York City, apparently oh. they're available as of September 18th in the West Village. Location. Oh, I'm going to New York. Are you really? I'm going okay. to New York. So there I'm going, you go. Yeah, I'm go- two weeks. Yeah. Oh, Shake Shack. There I'm you go. coming, brother. This is I'm exciting. coming. Heads up, Shake Shack. Get all the nuggets ready. <laughs> House is on his way. Amanda Dobbins, those are two fantastic stories. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Can't wait. All right, my taste buds, culinary comrades, there we go. All my love and thanks to Amanda Dobbins for a scintillating food news. We are going to eat some number of plates of sushi when I'm out in L.A., And, of course, humongous thanks to Mark Leibovich. His book, Big Game, The NFL in Dangerous Times. Check it out. It is a great read with lots of great stories about these uh, NFL owners, the unique personalities of these folks. As discussed with Lebo, if you, my hungry homies, have a suggestion for where I might go, actually, Lebo and I can go together to get a poo-poo platter here in the DMV, hit us up. At the House of Carbs is our Instagram. You can jump on there, make a suggestion uh, underneath any of the the beautiful photos that we have on there. Uh, Of course, we shall be back next week, my hungry homies. But until then, let's stay hungry out there. 